toilet um if i do say so myself it's even more beautiful than last week um i'm here with phoebe uh who wears many hats as a playwright uh an author uh musician an art therapist and uh you know i i would hate to sell your resume short so please feel free to elaborate oh my gosh um no i think that 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 about covers it Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. So I know, I know, I can tell, I can see it on your face. But um, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, just to start off, you know, uh, one thing that occurred to me, and you know, I like to be like timely and topical, is uh, uh, a thread you made earlier today uh, addressing, uh, you know, the West Elm Caleb, which is kind of corny. I don't want to like uh, harp on about that particular oh. situation. But one part that stood out to me uh, in your recent comments was... Uh, that you address specifically like the concept of romance as like uh as like a motivating ethos of um whatever you call like the deregulated sexual marketplace hookup culture like you know it, it we're kind of at a loss for words that don't feel like very boomerish to describe it but um yeah that like you know that you there are different motivations that people can take going into it but you isolate like romance as like um as one possible like motivation 
and um, you define it as the telos of the West. And your uh, the example that you use is like a knight hopelessly like pining after uh, a married woman, and uh, you know just kind of uh, resigning himself to the the hopelessness of that situation. So uh, I don't know. Can you like elaborate? Yeah, like dying of grief. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think what I was thinking about um, is you know um, when marriage, this idea of like a obviously like love marriage or you know sexual attraction and all these things. But you know, I think it's a particularly medieval phenomenon where um, you know if you if you read the literature, it, it doesn't usually go great. Like it's it's, it's tragedy sort of baked into the cake. Um, of, you know, capital R romantic literature. And um, yeah, the, tr the convention of the knight pining for the lady who's married and he, he dies of grief. So I think like, <laughs> I, I know that feel like, I think like a lot of people do. I think, I think, um, you know, I think we're in this weird position because people um, want this and it's this incredible, like vertiginous freedom that's, that's thrilling. And for me, very like, for me, it's worthwhile. And I pursue it and I love it and I, I can't imagine operating within a framework. I don't know. I, I like, I just, I see so many people talking about like arranged marriage and sort of these like trad ideals. And it just feels like I get it. Like I totally understand where the fatigue and the kind of throwing up your hands in exasperation, like uh, it's, it's unbelievably challenging um, to like find a, a person and it feels like it's getting harder and harder all the time. I don't know. Like, um, but I think that, yeah, I guess it's like, there's like some hero's journey concept to it. And this idea that like arrows is combustible. I think we forget that it is hard and it is tragic, but we also want the stability and the good times. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm caught between it because I'm, I'm just trying to think, I think what I was thinking about in that thread is like, what would be a more sustainable or like nourishing dignified way for people to you know date nowadays without it being like i don't know i mean, I was responding to indian bronson's um his post which and i think you know i what he's advocating for i, I would say doesn't like particularly appeal to me but i understand that he's diagnosing accurately like a very serious problem and so uh i was I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I, I do think that at least I'm trying to have a engaged dialogue, acknowledging that there's a real problem and gesturing towards solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed uh, Bronson's Substack from the beginning, but um, I guess uh, I just thought that the example that you use is pretty illustrative because on one hand, like you know, God gave humanity ten rules, and one of them is that you shouldn't covet another man's wife. So you know, I, I would take mm. that pretty seriously. But at the same time, like I think that. Uh, like I understand that I even see virtue in like kind of uh, living in a state of suspended animation or just like kind of like leading into the tension of an impossible situation and not actualizing your desires and just kind of like living with them. I feel like that's like a, a more fully realized state where you're overflowing with just uh, like latent desire and like potential. And that's like, uh, you know, where creative energy comes from. I think that's why like that's so, much, so much great art comes from repressed homosexuals as well. Um, yeah. And no, I was thinking about that too. Yeah, sorry. No, I mean, uh, that's basically the gist of it. What were you saying? I was thinking like the other day, I was like, what if I could build like a rocket ship powered by frustrated human sexual desire? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would put Elon Musk out of business. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think that I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't think the space industry would exist if not for it. Actually, um, you know, I uh, for a long time I've been a big fan of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and if you'll remember, right after like the scenes with like the uh, kind of hokey looking like uh, uh, chimp men. Uh, there's like that beautiful match cut from the bone to the bone that they've just discovered they can use as a tool to mm-hmm. this uh, spaceship like floating through space. Yeah. And what commences is this mm. b- beautiful like uh, erotic dance set to the Blue Danube, which I'm absolutely convinced is like a graphic, like like really like uh, disgusting, like wet and dirty sex scene because – like you see this like very like phallic like kind of like long shaped like uh uh spaceship entering this like yonic like spinning like uh uh like space station and it's set to the waltz which is kind of like this like uh genre of like uh romantic music mm-hmm. which is like uh accompanies like the rituals of courtship and i think that like by creating like such a sexually charged scene in the immediate aftermath of like this like barbarian uh um like uh moment of like technological discovery that it kind of insinuates that there's like the latent like uh animalistic impulses are still like uh you know they've just like been achieved on like a larger and uh, a scale but like they're still just as filthy and like uh uh uncivilized in some sense and so that's why like because those two things are in continuity right like the movie tracks like different eras throughout human history and like this is like considered like one era from the time we build tools to the time that our tools kind of uh take us to the next level and that's when the monolith appears in both instances so that's kind of like one epoch and so um you know i digress but um I, I guess what i'm hearing you talk about is um I, I guess like the the idea of the engine being the sexual impulse that's frustrated and that's what leads to technological pro- progress or it's just a, a continual um a constant of life mm-hmm. yeah like i don't think if not for uh uh unrealized uh potential sexual potential energy that the uh the space program as we know it would exist at all in any form um i don't know i mean i go back and forth in terms of like sorry music just started playing in my ear why is that you no sorry okay i'm having some weird what, what what's the music it's <laughs> it's um okay i gotta find it it's actually my friend misha recorded it okay i don't know why okay. it started playing right yeah so then it's probably not me no, yeah, <laughs> I mean that would have been that would have been wild. Sorry, I I lost my train. Small um, world. Yeah, but um, I I think that uh, the I I go back and forth in terms of like you know it, sex is like the most important thing versus like oh it's kind of overrated like you know people make a, a talk about it a lot because it's very sensational and because I I think there's something masturbatory about like seeing like immense like uh philosophical and like aesthetic uh value in like talking about and discussing sex like I think that 
but uh, you know i i see both sides like i kind of go back and forth on this but i do think that like uh the the highest form of that impulse is like when it's just like left intention and you just have to like live with it live it with live in the state of suspended animation yeah i i that tracks for me um i don't know i'm thinking about a story about my sister which is i think that's a, a weird tangent i'm not gonna go there sorry you talk i'm like wow i'm trying to like match your intellectual intensity i'm, I'm like here with you i'm, I'm catching up I'm, oh I'm you'll have to up. go you'll have to go down a few notches for that you, you know you'll have to dumb it down a little bit to match my level but yeah <laughs> oh, okay. uh, <laughs> um um I guess uh, the but to get back to the main point, like you know, I don't know. I I am a I would say that I'm a fairly romantic person as well, and I feel like I get burned for that more often than not. But um, I don't know. Do you do you? Uh, I guess like the appeal of it, which is really hard to like quantify, but I guess like the idea that like using sex this way is like uh it, it, it as like a kind of like aesthetically and like. Uh, personally gratifying experience of some kind of like uh, transcendent beauty I guess is that kind of how you view it or am I misunderstanding the main appeal um I'm so sorry so the, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to your question so the idea of using aesthetic beauty to like kind of bridge the gap with the disappointed frustrated sexual longing um or just like for like the aesthetic value of like the experience itself and also maybe like for like the aspect of like connecting with the other like kind of like stepping outside your solipsistic kind of like internal epistemic state and like actually like trying to absorb someone else's personality and interiority into your world and vice versa to like demolish those barriers i don't know like what is i guess i'm asking you like totally free form like what it, uh how would you describe like, no yeah i guess honestly i think the reason i'm having this like total brain fart cognitive cognitive dissonance is like i feel like the definition that i'm being presented with doesn't even it's it lands in a way that's like oh okay that's nice like you know what i mean it feels like it's coming from like outside of me and i'm like oh okay that's an interesting definition but i wouldn't say i would use almost any of the same terminology mm -hmm. to describe like my experience you know what i mean i think that's mm -hmm. why i'm like in this like weird little okay yeah cuz i'm um, trying to translate it into like nicholas but uh but i would love to hear it in your own terms if you could elaborate okay i'm so it being i'm sorry i i'm sorry i'm i'm doing a horrible job it being no no don't be self deprecating that makes it worse. Okay, but I'm I'm totally shitting the bed. I don't I don't know what the question is. <laughs> no, that's totally <laughs> that's that's no that that's like totally cute and effeminate of you. Like, um, is it? I don't. I'm genuinely like I. You you disarmed me because you you called me beautiful in the first in the intro and ever since. I've well, I, I like said totally I said that the toilet was beautiful, but underwater. you are as well. But oh, you said the toilet was beautiful. Oh, <laughs> so you were, you were talking about the toilet? Oh shit, this is so embarrassing. Fuck. No, honestly, no, no. That that's a reasonable inference to draw, nonetheless. But um. Okay. 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 Got it. Okay. What What was the question? Um, I guess like I'm asking you, like, uh, you know, a blank slate, like define uh, sexuality, yeah, define romance, like as you understand it. Oh, okay. Okay, I understand. Define romance as I understand it. I guess there's like a distinction to be drawn between big R romance. Um, and little R romance. I, 
It's like, uh, what is your perfect, what is your ideal date? Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess I'm thinking of a, it's like a Hal Hartley movie where the guys, it's like a relationship um, between this like professor and this college student. And I think like the bartender says, and that's the problem with you Americans. You all want a tragedy with a happy ending. So maybe that's my definition. of. Ah, okay. That's interesting to me that he singles that out as like a uniquely American trait, but I think that it definitely speaks to something. A tragedy yeah. with a happy ending. Or this idea of a, like a consuming, amazing, like, you know, overwhelming erotic experience, but then that is like, you know, demolishes the self. There's like, what is that? There's a, a book. It's like also got a movie like Como Agua para Chocolate. Um, where it's like a romance and it's like this like love and, and then they finally consummate it but then like the house like catches on fire and they like burn to death. Mm -hmm. Wait, that's interesting so, because uh, you said like consume and that was like on the tip of my tongue and trying to like figure out what was distinctly American about this but I guess it is like the idea that like you want to consume the aesthetic value of like a uh, doomed romance without like the sacrifice that that entails as though you can like just like uh, kind of like purchase it like uh, or you know you can just it's just like something that you can kind of like passively uh, partake in without the heroic like abnegation and you know the yeah the the forfeiture of like any truly like meaningful future and uh, or like because that I think that is what it is in a lot of cases like you know if if it's uh, if you're just like dying of heartbreak or whatever, you've literally like given up your future for this thing that's probably quite stupid to any outside observer. Yeah, I don't know. And then I think about like, I don't know, I think my parents are pretty happily married. So that's that's something I don't know. It's like there are people that seem to actually have like a nice balance and it's wholesome and they have kids and it's it's sort of nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's the that's the counterpoint, which is ideally you have like a capital R romance that then, you know, can like kind of get on the train tracks towards like this much more stable, long-term nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, I guess like the kind of like uh, cultural like ideation of romance is probably like not a great thing just because like, like I think that there is like a kind of like slow burning uh, development of like more intense emotions like more intense layers like uh on my last episode like william wheelwright talks about how like uh he's a little bit you know he likes bap but like he's very skeptical of like this idea of like kind of being like the world uh traveling like womanizing cosmopolitan like uh indiana jones type you, you know which is cool and all but like uh womanizing notwithstanding because it's a sin but um like uh the the you know, he's like, you know, if you just live on the land and you're like a farmer and you, you know, you really don't travel that much, it can kind of become like an adventure of the soul as you penetrate deeper rather than wider into the world. And I guess uh, some that that does seem to like that, that dynamic seems to characterize like most like healthy, sustainable ways of being. And I think that romance would be somewhat similar that like you can kind of uh out of like even like out of an arranged marriage situation uh which i probably wouldn't prescribe for the west in on a large scale but like you know thing that like romantic relationships created out of practical concerns can evolve into like this kind of a 
passion of depth rather than breadth. But you know, much of my life, I feel like has been pursuing like the breadth of experience. Um, and yeah, I don't know if, uh, if I'm just cursed to uh, kind of look at things diagonally because of that. Hmm. That's, I like your phrase, looking at things diagonally. I wouldn't expect so. I bet you'll get whatever you want. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. That's, I'm hoping for the best. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, that's really all I had to say about uh, or to ask about uh, the men and women and uh, romance, the ideal of romance question. Um, unless you have yeah. anything to add. No, I feel like I've been uh, totally unable to field a single pitch this whole <laughs> question around, so I'm looking forward to seeing no, something no. else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, uh, you know, you're the first playwright that I've had on this show, to the best of my knowledge, um, which is a medium uh -oh. I know vanishingly little about, uh, you know, because I'm okay. so autistic about the form. Like I, you know, I really, if I am in like that mode where I'm appreciating art, like I really want to appreciate it as like the most fully realized version of itself. And so I basically only mm -hmm. like take theater seriously as like seen on stage, <coughs> like the way that it's intended. You know, I don't read plays. I think that it might be useful to do the same way that like if you're studying a movie that you really are invested in, you're writing your thesis about this movie, then you would like maybe look to the script as like a reference and, you know, to find like more layers to it. But like, I don't really think that you're appreciating like a final artistic product in reading a play, which is why I've kind of uh, been uh, slow to get into the medium, even though I'm really like, you know, I think it's cool and all, but like, you know, it's been fucking illegal to like go outside and have fun for two years and you know the theater mm -hmm. is like taking taking a huge hit because of that so i really haven't had many opportunities to get invested in the theater in my own terms so i don't know can you like talk about like the uh the formal qualities of plays as a genre and like what attracts you to that totally yeah yes happy to so look you know i think i think you're touching on a very important part which is like the inaccessibility and the fact that um you know most people growing up today like don't have exposure to theater or it's like a very select thing it's like a jewish thing it's like a gay thing um and so you know a lot of people grow up not having experienced it like I, i'm thinking about like my friend dave Riaboy, who's like you know he grew up in new jersey and he's like this big cinephile and i'm like bro if you've been in other side of the bridge you would have been like the biggest theater geek ever and it's like annoying to me that you're like oh movies 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 uh -huh. i'm a huge theater supremacist in that I think that it is like I think it's morally instructive I think it's good for society when people show up in their bodies and sit together and I think it's I think it engenders compassion in the viewer um in a way that film is like I think film has more to do with like looking at a painting actually I don't think it really has much to do with like it's it doesn't derive from um like uh, well, I think it's like a disaster like, that like ever since like the era of talkies that like uh the conventions of movies have like uh basically been adapted from those of the theater because it's like you know like i think movies in general have way too much dialogue like there it's a visual medium like the plot shouldn't be carried by dialogue and so i tend to prefer movies that are very visually predisposed and i also think like just like the invention of sound in movies was probably like a disaster uh but I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, I would go so far. I, no, 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 no. I look, I, I, 
I would say that the invention of, I, I, okay, I'm like a big moralist. I'm a huge stick in the mud. I'm a square. I love theater. I said this, I, I wish that instead of like Foucault and the English department being the root of like all this critical theory stuff, I think there's another timeline in which actually like performance theory became the basis for all of this like critical analysis. Like I think college students want to have this insight, which is like, there's something superficial about the world and they want to get a layer deeper. And that's like what students are at college to do. And I think you feed them the wrong ingredients and then they go kooky. And I think that this idea of like life as performance, where there's like the show must, there's like the, the kind of dance of Maya and there is a quality of illusion and you can sort of read an interaction like semiotically and understand like oh like this person is standing whereas i'm sitting on the floor so there's like some power and you can read these things but it's also just you don't have you also it's embodied so you can't just make crazy fucking claims that make no sense you know what i mean like theater is very reality based yeah it's like there's more accountability right it's super accountable you know Mm -hmm. it's like at the end of the day you have to like build something constructively and you have to, it's like, you can't have no costumes. I mean, you can have a play with no costumes and that's its own choice, but it's like, okay, we're people, we're showing up, we're getting on the stage, we're wearing costumes. Okay. What are those costumes are going to be? And then you can acknowledge that it's a costume and you can be intentional about how you design your costume, but it's not like this nihilistic thing where it's like, Oh my God, I won't wear a costume. You know what I mean? Like costumes are, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a way you preserve it. It's like, there's something life affirming about theater as a tradition. Like, I love that it isn't violent, you know, you can, or it's like, just, it's not, I mean, there is, and maybe that's saying it wrong because like, there's all these, um, what is it? Like, there's lots of violence in the theater and cool, like blood bags and people got really into that. But like at the same time, like pigs bladders and it was just like burst, like in the Shakespearean era and stuff. Like, so I don't want to discount that as part of the appeal. But just in terms of, I'll, I'll leave it with this. It's like when you see a Hollywood actor come and try and do like a Broadway show, it is so like schadenfreude delicious because you realize that this person is basically like kind of like a robot and they only know how to move from like their shoulders up and like pose and hold still. Whereas it's like the people that, I don't know, I'm friends with who are like theater actors are like not as beautiful to look at if you're looking at a super up close, but they have like this vitality and the sex appeal and I don't know. That's oh, I would love you say the, it's similar to like runway models. Um, in what in what respect? Like like, like theater the, actors are like runway models. Yeah, that like they <coughs> like well, just in terms of like the like physical types that you're describing that uh, look very striking from a distance. Um, no, I would say the runway models are more like akin to the film actors in that they're like hangers for clothes. Really? I feel like, like, uh, just because, like, runway models, like, I feel like they can be very, like, strange looking a lot of the time. Like, high fashion, like, but, um, you know, and none, that's not really the main point. I guess, uh... I guess, like, theater actors are, like, Jewish girls with big noses who you wouldn't look twice at if you saw them on the street, but they, like, become larger than uh, life. Yeah, they, like, uh, yeah, they have to, like, cultivate their own, like, kind of, uh, um like gravity they have to sing and dance yeah yeah they like it's like a very like self-conscious act of self-creation uh that yeah. because you're not endowed with like you know this kind of like uh football player uh or like uh popular girl uh just like grace that i i yeah that i did a your, film i had i was just gonna say like maintaining your aura is kind of like a creative act rather than something you inherit 
Um, I was, I worked on a film over the summer, which was, I'd had a play and then it got adapted into a film and I learned so much. Like all I thought about all day was, you know, the difference between theater and film and especially with regards to theater and film actors. And one thing that like I never thought about before, but in, in theater, you know, the actors are kind of like directors in that they have to kind of edit their performance and that they're a part of sort of the collaborative vision. Like they're kind of like, you know, a part of telling what the story is. They need to understand the arc so that they can deliver it because the director you know they're the final um conveyance point between them and the audience whereas you have the intermediary of the director when you're doing a film and actually the best film acting is not even acting it's like the actor doesn't even know what the fuck they're in you know what i mean like i'm thinking about like in jaws when the woman's like really screaming because she really dislocated her leg because the shark robot like attacked her and so you know she doesn't know what she's in it's it's real and so then if you're a film director you get to be like oh yes perfect and you know they don't know what story they're telling and so in if in some ways it's better to be able to like manipulate people that don't know um kind of what the whole vision is because then they're going to give you a more authentic reaction like you can surprise them Mm -hmm. um yeah i i guess uh i don't know you claim that you were fat as a child which i find hard to believe now but um I uh, I guess that kind of goes, and, and you know, I don't say that to embarrass you. I apologize if that's out of line, but it's just no, because no, no, like no, no, you talk no. about like this, no, 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 no. this uh, aspect of like, it, it, you know, the types of people that thrive in the theater. And um, I guess like I actually did uh, single that out in my notes, like specifically because you mentioned it in your essay, and I think it used to be your Twitter bio as well. Um, and yeah, I changed it actually. That, yeah, yeah, but like um, that concept, it reminded me of uh, something that Yukio Mishima said, where he's like, I, you know, um, he says basically um, people like he wasn't healthy as a kid and like as a teenager and even as a young man, like he was like very sickly and like uh, skinny and frail. And he said that he attained health as an adult. And he says, like, when you've attained health as mm. an adult, like, you see things on a higher level than uh, people that were born with it. Because you feel like you have a right to be above trivial concerns. Um, you feel like mm. that's your prerogative as someone that created yourself in adulthood. It's like a very uh, deliberate act of self-authorship. Um, uh, and... I mean, even says as the example, he's like, people like me who like became healthy as adults, we have very little interest in the loss of the self through sex. Um, and I don't know, I, uh, I I kind of relate to that concept as well. I mean, you know, I, I was probably like, I was never fatter or anything, but like, I definitely had like a profoundly awkward adolescence, like more so than most, I would say. I mean, I had like, no way. I had a big Jufro like all through middle school. Like, and you, I know that like when I say that, it sounds like, oh, cute, like, you know, big curls, like whatever, but it was No, like, no, I believe you. If you tell me you were profoundly awkward, I believe Yeah, you. and like uh, it's cystic acne at some points, you know, I don't like to talk about it because yeah. I feel like it's like a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really like to be self-deprecating, but like that is like a part of my narrative, a part of my genesis is like, and you know, yeah. it's just like uh, taking stock of how far I've come is actually like a huge white pill that makes me like feel good about my life. Um, so great. Yeah. But you know, I'm just saying like, I, I really relate to this idea and it's really interesting that you should single that out in your, uh, in explaining why the theater is appealing, uh, and like the types of people that thrive in the theater. 
it's people who are like essence over form people mm -hmm. like nerds uh -huh. <laughs> yeah yeah um for sure i guess um what to respond to um well you're so handsome i, I never would have guessed oh, um i <laughs> um i feel like when i wrote that as my um twitter bio one of the reasons why i changed it literally this week is because as i wrote in the essay i kind of because i was like looking at these photos because of that weird like thing that happened of myself as like a child uh -huh. i kind of had to reevaluate it and recognize the degree to which i think i was like projecting and like honestly like a degree of body dysmorphia or this i think part of it is um so I did, I changed it because of that. And I'm like, man, I'm being really hard on my like inner child. Or it's like, I'm remembering things that weren't necessarily the case, or it felt that way, or I was being treated as if this were the case, but like in actuality, like seen through different eyes, maybe it wasn't the case. Um, I think also if I'm being real, like why I added that, I think I have a sense of self-conscious. Well, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I like, I work with seniors I've always felt very old. Like I've never felt like a kid. I always kind of related better to not just like adults, but like old people. And I think it's like, um, I don't know. I, 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 I feel frankly, like I've been like feeling like an attractive woman for the first time, you know, and not like, not just like, Oh, like last weekend it happened. But like, I've been in a period of my life where after a long period of feeling either like invisible or being really bullied or just feeling like I didn't really have it or just like dealing with the awkwardness. And then I kind of feel like something's in flower. And I think that something that I struggle with is feeling like everything is so conditional or feeling like, oh, okay, people are nicer to me because they think I'm attractive. And then it makes me sort of anxious and then it makes me resent them. And so it's this whole like mind fuck narrative around, um, yeah. So I think like part of why I'm trying to like let go of that as a narrative is like this idea of like this sort of like, ugly duckling swan I don't know you know what I mean it, it's like you can get really I get very anxious around it and I have all this fear of like being like disfigured or gaining all this weight again and then being having my life be terrible again the way that it felt when I was growing up so yeah so I felt like felt like a I wanted to change it um and just be like okay I don't need to let this have so much power over me mm -hmm. have you ever like uh contemplated like the like kind of like distinction between like internal versus external validation and like as specifically as like a type like you can kind of like depend on one or the other yeah I mean for I I'm somebody I think who and actually this was in the thread that I said where it was like Indian Bronze was talking you know he talks about like slut shaming as something that's like helpful for society because women need to be discouraged and I think for me I was thinking I was like it's funny because I I, I'm somebody and like, this is a point of pride for me. It's like, I don't think that my behaviors are really that impacted by the crowd. Like, hmm. even like, I remember when I like got to college and I was like, everyone, I remember the first weekend and people are like going to these frat parties and like getting drunk and hooking up. And I was like, this has nothing to, I'm like, I'm just not doing this at all. Like, mm -hmm. this is in no way if ever, like every single person on campus can be doing this and I won't do it because it doesn't feel right to me. And I think like by the same token, if we were suddenly transported to like, you know, Sharia world where everybody was like, you know, like handmaid's tale. And it was like, no, don't have sex. Like, I like to think that I would, I would be having, I would be banging the same number of people at the same rate because <laughs> it would just be like what feels right to me. And I'm living like authentically, I think. Well, I, uh, I kind of 
relate to that. I guess I'm like, I am very sensitive to like uh, what people think and I want people to like me, but at the same time, I'm very like stuck in my ways. Like, uh, and I'm very stubborn and like, you know, I, I really do kind of like autistically like hold to like certain principles that I deem are important. Like, for example, um, I remember a year ago, like, you know, you couldn't walk outside <laughs> without a mask, without right, being looked at like some like right. scummy pariah. And like, I, uh, right. you know, it, it was like the summer of 2020 when I decided I'm like, okay, this shows no signs of going away. That's pretty creepy. This is a weird thing to do. It's a really radical, like aesthetic change to like the look of everyday life. There's no way I'm going to comply with this when I'm just walking down the sidewalk that's deranged and you're yeah. not going to get coronavirus. You're not going to get the CCP <laughs> virus from like just passing someone by on the sidewalk. You people are stupid. And like, so, you know, to just like actually like hold to that and just like be like, I'm not going to conform. And also just like have my heart wounded by every dirty look from like anyone was yeah. like the kind of tension. Oh. I mean, it's fine. You it's know, over it's now. Funny. I've been vindicated. And it's so funny that like you would be a pariah for doing that a year ago. And now I don't even like feel like wary, like talking about it to normies that I can say that this is the thing I've done right. because I'm, so, I was so obviously right then. And like everyone kind of knows it, even though outdoor masking has kind of made a comeback, but like, I think it's because it's the weather. I think people are just cold. Yeah, yeah. There's probably... that's my. I think it's fa it's like eleven degrees out. Like even like it's like a face cozy. That anyway. Uh huh. Um, I, 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 that's funny that you say that. So I remember you telling me this when we first met, and I was like, oh, this guy's so badass. Like hell yeah, because <laughs> oh. I do. I totally feel no, because I it's inspiring, and it's like I definitely I I'm pretty good about it. Like not mm -hmm. masking. Like I'm pretty good but sometimes on the train when you really just feel the people looking at you it's like okay i'll just like put it on my wrist or uh -huh. put it on my chin or whatever you know what i mean it's oh like, yeah that's why i don't carry it anymore right no because it's funny to hear that you're actually like self-conscious like me so it's funny i um for like 10 years didn't shave like i had like body hair mm -hmm. and like that was like a constantly um it was intense man like i felt really self-conscious around it a lot i could i could feel it like fancy events like you know, I would lift my arm and I could see people could see that I had like armpit hair or I would just be like very self-conscious or just aware that like people were looking at my legs because they were hairy. Like that was like a thing mm -hmm. for a long time. And it was, it was a lot. And, um, I like, that was from when I was like nine, 18 to 28, honestly. So that was like maybe a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. maybe a little longer. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, you know, I, honestly, and it's funny because it's like I was thinking about this. It's like I don't have a great reason for why I changed it. One of it was like, okay, people thinking are like I'm like I'm coding as like the wrong type of person now. Like it used to be that like I was sticking it to the right kind of people. Now I'm like <laughs> sticking it to the wrong kind of people, and the people that I want to think I'm like in in group with them are going to be like alienated. Mm -hmm. um, and then part of it was like I was in Florida because it was like a lockdown, and so I was with my parents, and I was just sick of them looking at me and feeling weird around my parent. Like that felt weird. Mm -hmm. And then it was also like, part of me is like, just keeping it real. I was like, I'm going to just go with my like hot girl thing and not have to always feel like there's this like asterisk where people are looking and I feel self-conscious and I'm just mm -hmm. going to not have to deal with that in my day-to-day -day life. I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing. And it's funny, you know, I, I was, I showed you at that party when you, the, when you Googled me and it was like the image of like the album cover, I felt really self-conscious around like the music and sharing that, which I think I was too self-deprecating. Like I am proud of that stuff. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, I think it's fun and it was a great like experience. And, it, but like what I'm really proud of is that, that album cover, like that image, like the one where you see like my armpit hair and I'm kind of mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, I, I felt really good. Like that, 
kind of really captured a moment in time for me in a way that felt like good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, that's interesting you say that because I feel like, uh, like having like armpit hair for a woman is like peaked in popularity in like the last 10 years. Like that seems like you couldn't imagine like a better time since like the stone age to, uh, undertake such a project. um i mean i i guess i would disagree i felt like a freak all the time i felt constantly totally i mean there were some environments in which i didn't think people gave a shit like i think maybe like um like i don't know in like hippie circles or like kind of artsy circles it was cool Mm -hmm. but like anytime i was with my family any place or even just like i was working in a hospital setting and so it was like super hot but i always had to make sure like i always i didn't want you know what i mean like it's just like people are like what like you're working in a hospital it's like weird it would have been like unprofessional like i think no one ever said anything to me but i think i understood that it was like not the dress code you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so i felt i felt very aware of it um, a lot. Like when I was like in graduate school at NYU, like it was not, um, at all hmm. out of place. Like I was, you know, but, um, in other, and then going on dates and stuff, it would mm-hmm. feel weird. Hmm. Do you have any tattoos? No. Okay. Then, you, then you, then you have the right to do it. That's, uh, that's Joe's take, but that it's, uh, it's very glamorous for a girl to have unshaven armpits only if, and only if she has no tattoos. I see. I see. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, I I, I can see that. I mean, I was like, I was living on a farm for a while in Vermont and it was like, everyone was beautiful and probably had tattoos and body hair. Like, I think if I were to re-immerse myself in a milieu in which I wouldn't feel freakish or out of place, I don't know. Look, and then maybe it's all in my head. You know what I mean? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Like, it could have been that like no one else cared and everyone thought it was great. I mean, I know that it's not the case. I know some people were like not into it and like, I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people gave me a lot of like attitude, but mm-hmm. did you feel like you were like compromising and in, in so shaving? A hundred percent. Totally. Like, and, and in a weird way, it's like, I look back even like on like middle school, like those awkward years where I was like, uh, part of me is like, cause I, I think I've kind of figured out as an adult again, maybe this is kind of like a theme of our conversation. Like I figured out how to play the game. Like I feel like I know how to present myself. I'm like a little bit cooler. I'm a little bit less of like a terminal feeder kid weirdo Mm -hmm. who just like doesn't fit in and is weird. But at the same time, it's like I miss that totally obstinate version of myself that was like so brave. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like I look back on that and I'm like, good for you. Yeah, that's the source of your power level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like, have I lost a power level? (laughs) But um, I, I guess like that's interesting. I feel like I've been hardened by like being an anti-masker for as long as I have and just being very off-trend about that. Um, It's kind of like hardened my heart to uh, the the kind of uh, uh, disdain of the crowd. It's like, uh, you know how at the end of The Stranger, like uh, uh, Merceau says, like, you know, I, I enjoyed their scorn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. their cheers and their calls for my execution. Uh, I don't know if I'm at that level, but I've definitely like, uh, kind of, well, look, I mean, I think more comfortable with it, but you're, I mean, you're, you're saying you just got tired. Maybe right? I got tired. Mm-hmm. I got tired. Well, honestly, I started to feel like I was, it felt outdated. It felt well in the same vein. It felt like it was part of me holding on 
so I stopped shaving and it was part of me like healing from my eating disorder. And so I was in college and I stopped shaving and it was like, you know, and so it was like, it started to feel like, oh, is this like still me in some way hanging on to my eating disorder? Or it's like me having to make a political statement that I don't even necessarily want to be the first thing that I want people to think about me anymore. Mm-hmm. Is it just like a me allowing myself to sort of like, even like, this is a really dramatic comparison, but it just like, like my friend was telling me about like a woman who was like, had a tattoo from like the Holocaust and she wanted to get the tattoo removed. And then people were like, no, like you have to like, you know, represent. She was like, I'm just done with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm, I've done with it. I've thought about it. I'm sick of it. I don't want to look at it anymore. I'm next. So I think there was a little bit of that. And it just felt like, I was like, am I not shaving? Because I don't want to prove that other people were right. Like the people who were like, you're not going to be able to go on dates with guys because they're going to think you're weird. I got so much of that. And it was like, never true ever. Uh But I still felt like I needed to prove it. And so I was like, am I just doing this because I don't even want to do it anymore. And I'm tired of it, but I'm, I'm still like, I don't want to, I don't want to like let them win. And so Mm -hmm. I'm like, then I think you have to just like move on and just like let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but I was going to say, I think maybe it's like if we were both like awkward kids who were just out of place and felt weird about ourselves, like, I think there is something character building about that. Mm -hmm. And I think it means that you're like less, you know, you're not a conformist. Like you're more willing to think for yourself and be okay outside of the crowd. And like, I have many faults as a person and things that I, I wish were different about myself, but I'm actually like, not somebody who's like, oh no, like, what are they going to think about me? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a degree to that, like that's normal, but like I actually, and especially like you see it when in tough times like this, you're like, you know, it's like when the going gets tough, like Mm -hmm. you know who you are and you know that you're not going to behave in a way that's abhorrent to yourself because of like conformity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember there was a, an episode of South Park where Kyle is haunted by the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. And like Kyle has like this crisis of insecurity about being ugly and Abraham mm. Lincoln basically gives him this lecture that like that's what builds your character because you actually have to be interesting like you actually have to be funny or like you know contribute something to the world people aren't just going to like like you passively and so I feel like that's why like the real god tier like of people are um people who weird looking yeah who were weird looking well actually I think that people who stay weird looking like like uh John Pell of Mundo like uh you know I feel like it's always like French guys that come to mind when I imagine this, but like guys that like stay weird looking, like, but like have like a total like uh, resignation to or acceptance of that, like are also like very charismatic um, in a way. Um, and also, yeah. I, I, you know, you know, I probably am like uh, more attracted to people that are a little bit off conventionally attractive. Um, yeah. But, um, no, it's such a mind fuck. Yeah. Like this, the, I think, I think, I think we're all enslaved. I think mirrors are bad. I think like the more that when, and I think photos are bad. Like I think most people like in like the, the caveman world, uh, uh, would like not be thinking about it as much, like what they look like. And it's like, you only know, like, you know, your limited tribe of people. And so there's this, there isn't this like endless competition against like an endless number of nameless and faceless people who would be hotter than you and you don't feel as disposable on the basis of your appearance. Like I feel so worried all the time about not being attractive anymore and losing that. I mean, I already said this, but it's like, it's such a, it weighs on me so heavily. It's such a preoccupation. Um, and I so wish that it was like, I mean, I guess that's the, that is, that is the new, you know, like that's the new thing to wrestle with and to become a stronger person about and around. But 
it sucks. Like I, I feel like it's, it causes so much misery and I'm, I'm very like body positive. Like I, I, I hate that um, girls are growing up feeling awful about how they look and it's something I really care about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it seems like it can be a pathology, but I guess like just kind of uh, having that fire under your ass and like knowing about your appearance is also like what you need in order to like regulate it as like an act of self-creation. Um, mm. And so, I mean, it doesn't even have to be like this super effete thing of like manscaping or like, uh, you know, meticulously like applying makeup or whatever. Like it can just be like, right. uh, you know, you think about like Ernest Hemingway or like Theodore Roosevelt, like their way of like, they were also very image conscious, but like their way of um, uh, acting on that was by like cultivating like uh, experiences and like a kind of manner that bespoke like an archaic ideal of masculinity. And that I think is very inspiring. I, I actually like uh, both men, I feel like in their uh, conduct, like are really inspirational to me um and but like the i think the awareness of one's image like you know it it is like a probably like a distinctly modern phenomenon but i guess it is kind of like the impetus for like self-authorship in that in the way that i speak about that's cool i wish i felt more like that Uh uh-huh really you don't like uh see like redeeming value in like the uh the kind of like ownership you've taken over your brand, so to speak. Like, and I, you know, not even just like as someone like promoting your I work. Guess I but did like, say I like that. I like that image. Yeah. Um, I wish, I think where I'm at, and I'm not saying this is the right answer. I think it's just like where I'm at is like exhausted by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it, it brings more negativity into my life than it brings positivity. It's like very fear-based. So it doesn't feel fun. Um mm-hmm. Well, that's that's... also, you know, maybe that's like the birth pangs of like something deeper, like, uh, you know, once you've kind of uh, achieved, you know, what you set out to uh, aesthetically in, you know, in terms of your appearance, like, I guess it's only natural to like kind of like turn to like higher like spiritual values. Like, I don't think like, uh, Mm. like St. Francis or any other number of like saints were like, um, you know, deeply invested in how they came off. But like there is like this effortless grace to themselves because like the it's grounded in like a, a deeper principle and I guess like aesthetics is kind of like the reflection of like a deeper virtue. So yeah, it's I don't know about that. I mean, I'm sure it's true. I'm like somebody who's so I'm I'm terrified of aesthetics. I'm so uncomfortable with aesthetics. Hmm. Um, they make me so nervous. They like you know I, I think like. My most Jewish quality, if I have one, is it's like I feel safe with like the word, venerating the word. It's mm-hmm. idolatry to be obsessed with the image. Hmm. Like it just, and, and I know that it's like a trauma response, but I just, I think like, um, yeah. No, I always, mean, I think that I've there's always... merit to that. Like, like aesthetics are like a contingent value. Like, I think that they emerge as like kind of, uh, it, it, they it emerge because like you prioritize like, good values fundamentally and like if your values are like Mm. askew then like like you know i don't know like people like shit on like uh like colorful hair a lot which i think is like a little bit puritanical my my personal preference Mm -hmm. is that like dyed hair should be like on a spectrum of like a real hair hair color and i think it can look good if it's just like an exaggerated version like bright red like there is red Mm. hair or like bright like platinum blonde or um but like, you know, blue hair, 
never really seen it done well. Uh, green mm -hmm. hair is a little off. <laughs> purple, I can abide because I you just really I... like the color purple. But um, but like mm. just like the idea that um, I think that you know people who have like bad values like create like bad fashion, and I think right. it, it's manifest. I mean. I don't know. I'm thinking about like, I work with, I, I said, I think I, I work with seniors and something that's like fucked up that I do is like, and again, like it's, it's funny. Like this is why I work. I, I was actually talking to somebody else earlier today about this. Like, I think part of why I like working with seniors is because I have this like, like just curiosity of like, I, I, I don't like working with children, not because I don't love, love, love children, but I think I feel sorry for children. Like it's like they're in a situation that they can't control. And I think again, that that's somehow like related to my like unresolved sense of like unhappiness and despair around my own childhood. Like it's somehow it's like, I don't have any sense of optimism of like, Oh, nothing can help you. Like you're a child. You just have to wait until you're like older for you kind of figure yourself out. You're just like in this like purgatory state. Whereas it's like, there's something redemptive to me about like, if I can figure out how to like solve the puzzle of like a dignified and graceful old age, like that's why I've always been obsessed with like working with this population and, Anyway, no, so I'm like these Zooms all day with older people and I look at them and some of them have their hair dyed and some of them don't and some of them have like makeup on and some of them don't and some of them have work done and some of them don't and it's bad, but I'm always kind of like, what am I going to look like? Am I going to look like her? Am I going to make the choice mm. to like do that? Am I going to go in a different direction? It's like, what if I, do I start now? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, I think a lot of my, I, I, I think there's something that obsesses me and feels like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I understand, like, uh, there's, like, a certain body horror to aging, but there's also, like, an immense beauty to, like, old faces. Mm. You know, they, they really, like, it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about, like, deepening your relationship to the land or, like, deepening your romantic relationship. That, like, once mm. you get old and once you've just like lived long enough like the contours of your experience and your kind of like inner personhood will start to like uh show themselves on your face in a more distinct way and so i feel like as like i hope certainly so. like aesthetic like uh like objects like the face of like senior citizens are very beautiful that's a really nice perspective <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's just like, like uh, the idea. Yeah, of like no, a, I know what you mean. I think there's old a man. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Hmm. I, I guess not quite. I feel like I just see so much humiliation and horrible stuff. Like, I don't know. I see, I feel like most of the seniors, especially now, it's a horrible time to be a senior. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel sorry for them. It's like I feel sorry for them. Like being a young person that shows up. Like I, I think I do a good job, and I think they trust me. But it's like it's so humiliating. It's like people come in and they try and like. <laughs> train you to be like better version of you and they're like young and stupid and it's like it mm -hmm. sucks if you're like having to like go to like some like i don't know art class and somebody's like hi hi nick like how are you <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'm like i i guess uh that's kind of like a consequence of like the nuclear family you have to watch the super bowl and it's like j-lo and you're like my grandma's like what like <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, like, that's, like, a really cool thing that, like, history has done to, like, the elders in our time. Because, like, you know, like, it, it, from, like, oh my God. 1000 AD to 1010 AD, well, that's kind of a bad example because there was, like, the, like, uh, you know, a kind of, like, proto-Renaissance during that period. But, like, um, mm -hmm. like from, like, 
800 to 900 AD, like you probably would have seen like vanishingly little change in like the everyday lives of people in like the same place. And so like, you know, the whole, the whole idea that like, oh, kids these days, this is like something that's been around since like the beginning of time. It's like, not really. Like it really is like a case of like kids, kids these days. I mean, like people might've like made like dismissive remarks about the behaviors of young people, but like there wouldn't be like this kind of like type difference of like generational, like behavior and habit that you see now where like you can say the word boomer and just by that incantation you evoke like just like a cloud of like different connotations and like ideas and behaviors and they're all more or less accurate i mean it's like almost like entire nationalities yeah Yeah, no like when we say like the japanese people like are really embarrassed about eating and like they're very polite like or like when you say like british people are have bad teeth and like a a great sense of humor like it's like the same thing like boomers have like these like qualities and like gen xers have these qualities and it really is like having like different nations within the nation yeah you know it's like i'm thinking about like my grandparents they're not boomers they're like the silent generation like Mm -hmm. they're older than boomers oh yeah so like i feel bad for them because the boomers deserve whatever fucking well i mean that's a hard thing to say and we're all gonna have to live through it and it's gonna be horrifying for all of us so it's like i don't it's hard for me to like wish ill on boomers because it's not like i get to go someplace else it's like okay i i I relate to them like i don't know I, I have. Okay. I, I really like the. Si- I like my grandparents' generation. Oh yeah, no, of course. Like the si- like the silent generation is like leagues ahead of anything else like living. I think, but like no, they're just. It's a totally different. Like I, I think boomers it starts to become like decadence, but like the silent generation. Like my grandpa, like he puts on a hat. Like he puts on a hat and a suit to like go to the grocery store, and he puts on. And my grandma calls her pants slacks, and they like listen. To, they taught me to love Gilbert and Sullivan, and like listen you know what i mean like they're actually like dignified and have like this kind of like old world european sense of of culture and and civility and she they have all these really funny turns of phrase and they lived through world war ii like i actually like respect them and feel sorry that they're dealing with this whereas it's like i don't know then the once the boomers hit it felt like there was like a precipitous decline in terms of like, oh yeah you know, absolutely like the the, dig- the dignity isn't there like the reason why i like boomers is because i find them relatable like um okay you know they're, they're not dignified uh i mean like not because they're undignified i think if you were somebody like, who takes himself really signified it's a seriously oh, thank you. Like kind of dignified i'm thank surprised you. to hear you say that like if you're engaged with like the level of you you're so intellectually serious um oh well thank you i, I just think like uh you know, the mistakes I've made in my life, like, I feel like are similar to the mistakes made by boomers as a generation. And I almost like, kind yeah. of like map my life trajectory onto them. And like, kind of, uh, you know, the, you know, the boomers, like, you know, the these kind of like Promethean ambitions to like create a better world by like trading away like a certain sense of like social cohesion for, um, for freedom and then like kind of like uh seeing the void at the end of that and like kind of like trying to like turn back on it like i just think that there's something really um pathetic about like the boomer trajectory which i kind of admire i see it as like the root of like many modern problems but i also understand like why they made the decisions they did and um and i think that you know I, I'm very sympathetic to it. But of course, like, yeah, like, you know, mm. when you meet people from, like, who were born, like, pre, like, 1940 or something, like, it's just, like, a different world. Like, they comport themselves with, like, such, totally. like, uh, gravity and, like, um, uh, you know, decorum. It's really majestic. 
in a way that like no subsequent yeah. generation has had like and that's the thing about like you know people hating on boomers it's like i really do like struggle to like think of a generation after them that actually has any of like their virtues um i i am sympathetic yeah, to no. like the younger kids like i think they're like deeply traumatized but i think they're also like oh my god very like likable and like uh uh you know people that are like uh yeah, a couple years younger than me i think that they you know they're doing the best with uh bad circumstances but i have an affinity for them but like honestly like the like the millennial archetype there are very few things that are more grating to me than like the archetypal millennial personality <laughs> i don't i don't even it's like it feels like watching him on tv or something like i, I like i don't even know people like that <laughs> I like, uh, and I am a millennial, like, uh, not like technically, I'm technically like a zoomer, but like, you know, I can't watch TikTok for more than 15 seconds without wanting to gouge my eyes out. So I'm not really that much of a zoomer. Oh my God. And when I compare myself to my brother, who's only like three years younger, I'm just like, mm. there is a world of difference between us. Like I am clearly like of a different generation than him. Like, uh, I, you know, don't really relate to any of his cultural touchstones. Like, and so, you know, I, say this like while affixing myself to the millennial camp like i also think that like the archetypal personality of the millennial is like um really like uh just like nails on the chalkboard mm. yeah i mean i i i wonder all the time like is there a better i mean obviously the answer is yes that's not even a question it's like i wonder what kind of person or who i would be if i was raised in a different time or place and like honestly like I just feel like yeah there's like you know in search of lost time like this feeling of just sitting on my ass and like not having skills and just being kind of a consumer and you know only taking care of myself and it's like on some level I'm, I'm that way just because I was like kind of raised in captivity but I wonder if like you know it's like you read it's like they're from they're made of the same stuff as us you know what I mean it's like my grandpa who like had like six jobs, like he was like 10 years old and he was like delivering the newspaper and he was delivering milk and he was picking up like uh, trash, like all these, he had like all these different jobs and then he was going to school and then his mom was sick. Like, you know, it's like they're made of the same kind of human material as we are. And it's, it's interesting. It's like, I, I guess I wonder, I guess what it really is, is like, I'm in search of purpose in my life. And I think, I think even like part of how I got like into the Shakespeare authorship question stuff is like, I think I'm just like, I want to smell something that feels great like everything feels so shitty and degraded and ticky tacky and disposable mm -hmm. and like kind of not like you know good times and it's like I want to breathe in like a like get a wafting breath of like what would it be like to have a meaningful life and to create like great work that lives forever and people who are you know making who are living historical lives that are changing the trajectory of like history and, and helping people and I feel like I've taken I've carried like such a tiny little pebble up the hill, whereas like people are oh, yeah. know, pushing these like, like massive, I, like, it's like unbelievable. I mean, yeah. It's like, if yeah, you like really. uh, look at like, just like photos of like your great grandparents when you're, they're your age, like in general, I feel like mm. you feel a mix of like, like both, you know, awe and kind of like uh, horror at just like, uh, you know, it, it's realizing like what they went through and like how like unfit you are for the task. Like you're just like, Oh yeah. Like great grandpa, mm. great grandma. When she was uh 22, she herded her family of six through a minefield in world war two or something like that's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, you said you're the, uh, the grandchild of Holocaust survivors, right? Like, and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like, 
yeah, like, you know, the the trials that they endure are like unfathomable and you can't even No, it's like and I get like anxious going on like a road trip to like the Hamptons because I'm gonna have uh-huh. to use the bathroom. Like it's like <laughs> but it's the same shit. Like no <laughs> but it's like but it is, it's like I I think part of the point of the essay that like that I was I think gesturing towards is this idea that like well, I mean I guess that's kind of like a Jewish thing, but this idea of like this epigenetic anxiety that always is with you and you can't put it down and it's this crazy environmental mismatch, but like, it's still like, and and honestly for who, for who knows how long, like, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for this shit to hit the fan any day now, you know, it's like, we could be like in bad times very soon and, and maybe we'll get to be like our great grandparents and have to like navigate minefields around Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, no, it it's, seems it's like we're that... dwarfed. We're dwarfed. Yeah, yeah. It, We're like Lilliputians, and they're these like these like huge people. Yeah, Lilliputians standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, I That's... mean, for me, it's like reading like history books about like Israel and like the freedom fighters and the generation. They're teenagers, teenagers, and they're starting this underground revolution and like starting a war with the British, and they like <laughs> fight off the British. It's insane, and they're like fucking seventeen years old, assassinating politics. It's crazy, and I'm like, I wonder what prison breaks. Crazy shit, you know. So I guess, yeah. And I, I think know, like people are like, lost. you know, people have like this latent potential to survive that seems very mm-hmm. uh, distant until you're forced to kind of, uh, uh, you know, act, act on it. And I think that people are, gener- mm-hmm. you know, you can be surprised like, um, like, you know, I think there's a lot of research about how suicide rates go markedly down whenever there's like a war going on, whenever you're like in a mm-hmm. violent like war zone, yeah. like people kill themselves right. less. Like you kind of, it, I actually think that people need like scarcity. It's like a very like fundamental, like part of like a healthy lifestyle is to like feel scarcity. And like, uh, and if you're not in like a kind of like conflict or like economic or like, you know, political what condition or whatever that forces you to feel scarcity, then you kind of have to simulate simulate it for yourself through fasting and abnegation, but um, I think yeah. that you know that's like an important feature of life. It's funny you even say that. Like I think part of like I think part of the anorexia was just a total lack of stimulus. Like throughout high school, like there was mm-hmm. nothing going on. It was just this dead time where I was supposed to like what like go to school like what like sit mm-hmm. there and like what. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing happening. Nothing makes any sense. Like, it just feels totally alien from anything that feels real or, like, invigorating. And I think part of it, like, there was this intensity that I was craving. And fasting and abnegation filled that void. Like, it was something that I could do and do well and that it was, like, a, a war, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's, like, a, there's an Amanda Palmer song called Runs in the Family, which I really like. And it kind of reminds me of Gilbert and Sullivan because it's like this like almost like patter song and it's like so stressed out. And it's like basically about like um, all these friends that she has that are all fucking nervous wrecks because they're all like, they. All, I, I could sing, I don't know, I'm like debating the impulse to just like start like singing the song. But I'm like, oh, that maybe that's, maybe that's not the moment. Uh-huh. Um, whatever. She's like, 
you know, basically this like epigenetic trauma and like these families and everything is like fine, but it's not. And it's like me, well, I'm well, well, I mean, I'm in hell. Well, I still have my health. At least that's what they tell me if wellness is this, what in hell's name is sickness, but business is business and business runs in the family and on and on. And just, you know, her, how her friend is like, has allergies and rickets and all this weird shit and doctors can't figure out what it is. And they're just like, oh, it's, you know, it's like your great grandma was infected by civil war soldiers who raped her. And it's like, oh, okay. Oops. Uh huh. I have a, um, I have a relative, um, a great, great, et cetera, grandparent. Um, his name is, uh, George Sizemore. And I, you know, wow. He was the, uh, the uh illegitimate child of like a white woman that was like kidnapped by a cherokee uh band and raped by the chief of the the tribe and then subsequently rescued by her fellow co-ethnics mondays am i right yeah what Jesus. was that i said mondays am i right <laughs> i don't know i didn't know how to respond to that like incredible story yeah that's uh <laughs> that's you know no that was funny i just didn't catch it the first time yeah i just uh no no, no okay that's uh you know i wouldn't exist if not for him so right right yeah, yeah. it's it, and i'm only like ancestral like i'm like 88 percent jewish so like probably like a cossack raped like some great great like grand, i don't know what like, like genetically or, or like shit. Yeah, genetically. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I imagine, like, everyone, everyone who is alive today is probably, like, a child of rape indirectly, but... Right. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. That was the other thing that I was saying, is it's, like, is, like, rape fantasy is part of it just, like, a evolutionarily adaptation, like, um, you know, adv advantageous, like, coping mechanism, because it's, like, if rape is really prevalent, then maybe there's some advantage if you're a woman and like you're likely to be raped or there's a chance that you'll be raped. Maybe it's like healthy and beneficial to like, I don't know, at least have some process that can be like, I don't know. I guess um, that was a, that was one point that I was a little bit skeptical of just because like, you know, evolution happens by like increasing your likelihood to reproduce. And I guess like, you know, how right. you would feel in that situation. Like, I don't really think, I, I can't really see like a link to like how likely you are to reproduce in that, but uh, you know, not to like uh, you know, be like, oh well, actually, according to the science, but like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, it was it was sort of just like I was just throwing it out there. It's not something I like stand by. But I guess for me, my point would be like that it's not about like you're more likely to get pregnant. It's more likely you're just like you're you're more likely to like not kill yourself or kill the kid. Or oh yeah, yeah. Body. I don't know. Right, because like the example that you you uh, compared it to is like men ejaculating when they hang themselves, and I'm like, well, they're they're like to me, it's like pretty straightforward. Like that, you can't call that like an evolutionary like thing in the Darwinian sense because like your reproductive potential is over, buddy. Like you know, you're like really because that's what Brett Weinstein was saying like a long time ago. I, I just talking like about it and he was saying like. I mean, maybe it's a little deeper than I'm understanding, like, but like, you know, I'm, my like kind of like layman's instinct is just like, well, like evolution, like the natural selection happens. It's like whoever is like most able to reproduce, like, uh, um, you know, will be more likely to pass on those attributes. And so survival is like a feature of that. So like, you know, giving yourself like a burst of like momentary, like sexual gratification as you literally like <laughs> severing your mortal coil by your own hand, like doesn't like it wouldn't seem to uh have like any evolutionary advantage but 
you know, maybe I'm, maybe, yeah. maybe there's like larger mechanics at work, like that I'm not aware of. I don't know. People are so fucked up. I, I, I wouldn't put anything past God at this point. I uh-huh. bet there's all kinds of weird buttons that if you push all kinds of crazy shit happens that you don't even know. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> For sure. Because you alluded to, I, I wasn't able to find anything about this, like that you had published, but like um, the, because you alluded to like writing an essay that you were going to publish with Default Friend about like uh, um, partying with Orthodox Jews because oh. there's nothing else going on. And right, you know, yeah, if you want to elaborate on that, because I think that you know that's kind of interesting, but. I feel like it's it's not as interesting as it maybe sounds oh, really? theoretically. I mean, I yeah. like I got in a van with like a uh, a van full of Orthodox Jews like a couple months ago when like at like two a.m. and I like they just like honk their horn at me and I just like shouted back and then like they pull down the window and I see that there's like a pretty girl like in the front seat, two pretty girls in the front seats, and then there's just like three men in yarmulkes and then one other pretty girl in like the back seats of this van and they're just like, hey, do you want to go on a ride with us? And I'm like, yeah, sure. What? Like, yeah, no, it was really weird. Like, <laughs> Wait, like, so you got in the van with them? Yeah, it was just like, like, cause like they were just honk their horn and I was just like, ah, and like they were just like, like they pulled down the window and the girl's like, hey, do you remember our romance? And I'm like, I don't know who you are. And she's like, what? You don't remember? What are you our talking romance? about? What? And I'm like, this was like when I was coming home from Scott's party. But like, uh, yeah, that was the, I think that was the party that you went to the expat reading. Oh yeah, I was there. Yeah. Yeah, and like uh, you know, I was just like uh, I just like wasn't really going anywhere, and then I just like shouted at this van full of Jews, and then they like took me in and like uh, took me for a joyride around the city, um, because like yeah, the girl was just like, you do you don't remember our romance? And I'm like, oh, you mean like back in Cancun in 2018? Like I just made up some shit. And Wait, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, then I, like... Sounds it, I like just, you have a story about partying with Orthodox Jews that far eclipses I know, I, mine. I figured it would be, like, something like that. I don't know. Like, uh... <laughs> no, mine was, like, much more uh, by the book. Yours sounds pretty wild. <laughs> I went to, like, I'll, some I'll, Shabbat I'll dinners in a yoga class. It sounds like you almost got, like, date raped. <laughs> I, like, we went, like, climbing. Like, uh, me and this guy, Aaron... What? We went like to this structure on like the like uh, East River Esplanade, like um, what? And we just like climbed on top of this structure that you're not allowed to climb. I don't even know what it was for, but like, um, and then yeah, the girls were just like downstairs, like yeah, that was that was some weird shit. Like <laughs> this doesn't even sound real. What? I know, and I like honestly, it doesn't feel real except for the fact like I have photos on my camera roll of like all of these like Orthodox Jews, and I know that it's real. Like, hey, you want to come for a ride with us? <laughs> what? It was, it was, this is wild. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Shit. Oh. <laughs> I had a roll with you. It sounds like you know where the Orthodox Jewish parties are at. I don't know how that happened. Like, that was just, like, a weird, like, non sequitur, like, uh... The shares. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I guess, uh, I gather that you'd rather, uh, talk about the theater question, so... I didn't say that. I said I didn't really want to talk about the the Orthodox Jewish thing. I don't know that okay, I want to talk yeah. about the theater question. Okay, well, th- those were the two options that I had prepared, so if you want to pin- oh. uh, propose anything else, like, uh, you know, I'm all ears. It's pretty open-ended, but, but you know. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania in 
York County, Pennsylvania, which I think is basically like a suburb of Maryland. But um, okay, cool. Yeah, it's like a pretty like nondescript place though. What about you? I grew up in Manhattan. Oh, right. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. What neighborhood? Like the Upper East Side. Mm -hmm. Is your family like very into literature and really smart? <laughs> I mean, I think that they're very smart. Uh, you know, both of my parents, I would say so. Um, but my dad, you know, he uh, his vocation is like auto parts. Like he owns an auto parts warehouse. And, or he did, he sold it a few years ago. Um, but you know, it, it, and he's, he was pretty successful at that, but, uh, it, it's like a very like blue collar line of work. Like a lot of guys in cargo shorts in his office, like, uh, you know, that's kind of, it, it's like very dusty and like kind of, and, you know, I think that he's like interested in like, uh, art and like books and stuff, but like not really like, not the same way that I would say that I am, you know? I'm always really interested, like, so is, is it like Red America or Blue America? Like, what am I, is it like, like I guess I'm always interested. I'm in basically like, from Red America, I would say, yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, Let's Go Brandon signs and, like, the the developments where I grew up, so. Interesting. I guess I'm always interested in, like, where is life good? Or, like, what is the good life? Because, like. I'm pretty, pretty sure that I do not, do not, do not want to raise kids in New York City and like... Oh, me too, um, me too. Like, I love it here, but yeah. like, I, I really do think like it can be, unless you have like a tight-knit community like the Hasids, um, like it is like a place right, where yeah, you're kind of like totally like emancipated from uh, accountability, which is really bad for your soul. And like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I yeah. feel like this, it encourages like a lot of bad habits and I'm like, so stuck being here like i love it because you know i've spent years like building up like my social network here and like i really value like my friendships mm. and um you know the thought of like just like creating that anew in like a new city is not really uh, appealing to me it's you know it's pretty disturbing mm. um but you know i also yeah i absolutely would not want to uh raise a family here i think that um people who grew up here, um, Phoebe notwithstanding, like tend to have like deep like traumas. No, no, no. I, especially women. I, I have deep traumas. Yes. Like honestly, like I, I feel like a, a boy who grew up in like New York City is generally like fine. Like, uh, you know, because I feel like when you're a boy, like you don't really suffer the consequences of your mistakes nearly as much when you're like under 18. And then when you get to college, in many ways, I think it's reversed. But like, um, like the, you know, I just like, there's, I, I know so many anecdotes of like, you know, girls like, you know, oh, there's, we're going to a party and there's going to be older guys there and it's really cool. And then like, it just like ends in disaster and it's really, it's legitimately like tragic and, um, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. No, I think boys, boys do do better. I think it's boys who like live in some approximation of like kind of like a New Jersey suburban thing where it's like you have a gang of like funny guys who ride around on a bike and you guys go to like different like convenience stores and like interact with like some black people and some Jewish people and some like Italian immigrants but like you're not like in any of those like ghettos and then you're just like kind of funny but it's like if you're like the cool 
popular guy in New York City, you will end up as like Jeffrey Epstein probably. And all of the girls that grew up in New York City, a hundred percent have like eating disorders or like massive like gender dysphoria confusion. Like, I think that's probably more common now. Like I, I, there's like, I joke, it's like, there's like one way to have a happy girl childhood growing up in New York City, and it's to be Matilda on Broadway. And there's two of them because of child labor laws, so your odds <laughs> just double. But uh-huh. otherwise, you're fucked. Uh-huh. Unless you're one of those two girls, you're not happy. So, no, I, mean, I know the only. I don't know. Like, like I look, like the- I look at it from a huge distance, but I also feel like, like, <laughs> no, uh, dead on. You're dead on. Like, I think your your diagnosis is really like adroit. Yeah. So. I don't know about like the what it's like in like the like Orthodox Jewish communities. If like maybe like the girls there are more well adjusted in many ways, but also like you know they have like the they're encumbered by like you know certain like uh, social restrictions that are imposed from within the community that you know they're both- kept very provincial. They seem like they're like it's weird. It's like the boys that I meet who are like growing up in the Orthodox Jewish community are like all like making their own cryptocurrencies and seem like super <laughs> with it and like very very like hyper aware of the culture and Uh the girls it seems like are they kind of keep them a little bit in the shuttle and like they're sort of like less educated and they seem a little bit like i don't want to say like they just they seem provincial like they seem like they haven't like lived as much as like some a ran through hoe like myself (laughs) but i I mean i feel like there's like benefits to both like uh you know it, it insulates you from like these like kind of like traumas of like growing up in like the the imperial core but also like you know, imposes like a lot of unnecessarily onerous restrictions. Like, you know, I'm not even like, I'm not trying to like mount like some like broad critique of like the trad wife thing or whatever. I mean, it's kind of stupid, but like, um, like I just mean like the, like at the point that like, you know, certain communities just like don't allow women to like learn English so that they can't leave. Like, yeah. It's just yeah. like, you know, that probably... Mm, like, you're really <laughs> hiding the ball there. <laughs> they want to tell yeah. you how happy they are, but they just don't speak English. But you take my word for it, they're thrilled. Uh-huh. They're loving it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them probably are, like, at peace with the situation. Um, and, you know, there's you know there's an argument to be made that, like, they're safe from, like, all of these, like, you know, horrible traumas of modernity. But And, like, I, I won't... I can't help but, like, admire it for the fact that they're able to maintain that. Like, literally, like, a stone's throw from, like, like epstein world like that's crazy yeah it's so impressive and they're working so hard at it like they are they are they are doing the work they've built their they're you know sitting on a hill they have their thing like i don't have a thing i just like i i'm ordering takeout and i'm lazy and that's kind of what's going on whereas they've built the society that has its own like police off police force and like you know medical Mm -hmm. They, they can respond to problems but yeah, as far as like the best way to live or like the best place to live, I mean, I feel like people in the suburbs. Yeah, are like where also do you want to like raise kids? Yeah, pretty like deracinated, but um, yeah, I don't know. I do think like you kind of have to get out of the fray of things a little bit to, um, to like build the community that you want. I think that it's very hard to do in the modern day without like some kind of like religious, um, kind of, um, inculcation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that yeah, I think that's a big piece of the puzzle that's missing. One thing that like the uh, the Rokor um, does really well, like the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia, like it's you know from what I hear from people, like even like Zoomer, like kind of like Orthobro, like trad converts, like 
they seem to say that like there actually is like a really good like foundation for like community like uh family rearing and like you know if you're if you get married within the church you know all like these old like babushkas and like um you know they'll all like kind of like chip into like or like they'll gift you like baby food and like toys and like stuff that you need to like raise a child baby clothes whatever um yeah yeah no it's good it's good but i mean i i guess like the problem with new york is just that like any like especially like in the teen years um that any horrible like uh trauma is just like a subway ride away and you can't reasonably expect people (laughs) to have like the good judgment at like 14 to avoid that and also like you know when you're a child like it probably like isn't as bad for the most part you probably just grow up with like well i don't know like you know but like i guess like do you feel like you're traumatized by like your childhood in particular like growing up like seeing like homeless people doing things that are unmentionable on the subway from a very young age or no i wasn't taking i didn't take the subway until like i graduated from college oh really yeah i was very sheltered my parents were a little bit uh we were i was taxis it was a taxis moment um um the only thing I can think of that would be really good about living in New York is I feel like Joe is going to figure out like a very based like homeschooling oh, yeah, yeah. situation. And I wonder if I like, you know what I mean? And like, I feel like that's not something that I have. Look, it's like the idea of like, I want to build a better life for my kids and I want us to have a garden and I want to like have maybe have my kids not do like a conventional schooling route and like, you know, play and like go camping and like all this stuff but it's like that shit takes work and sometimes I'm like I just don't even know if I'm like equal to it you know what I mean it's like I have all these dreams and then like what am I going to end up executing I'll just like end up like mailing it in and like you know what I mean and whereas it's like I feel like I feel like probably Joe's going to figure out like a pretty cool I I think she's probably not going to send her kids to public school and so I think that (laughs) no god forbid that'll be a model Right. No, I just think I think that's like one of her big issues like to the point that like it'll probably end up like she'll come up with a good answer and so then i can kind of just like tag team like i can just be like oh me too like ride the coattails of like her work have you ever lived anywhere else um i lived in uh you know when i went to college i was in providence when i went i spent a summer in shanghai spent a summer in london Mm um i've actually been spending more time in florida since the pandemic because my parents live there so i kind of right go and have that sort of humiliating slash very luxurious cushy experience yeah um exactly yeah yeah Yeah, i've uh you know there have been stretches of a few months that i've lived with my mom or my brother in pennsylvania um and well you know i eat very well i don't have to worry about Mm -hmm. paying for food and so i can get like my like desired like six thousand calorie per day intake or whatever um nice. i tend to be like i tend to cultivate pretty good habits when i'm in that situation um but you know i just really like uh you know i find myself missing my friends and like the kind of like social inundation that i get here so mm-hmm. for me it's like i feel humiliated that i'm not i don't know i feel like honestly it's like a big mojo killer it's like something about like oh me too like no I and i feel like someone's of like I get like so like It's like dating. It's like if I could date in Florida and not feel like, oh, I can't go on dates because of like, I don't know, my parents will be like, like, I don't know, that that makes me (laughs) just like a (laughs) non-starter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, 
I don't know. I, I like really like uh, have to be here. I think because it is because of what you're saying. Like it's humiliating. It's a uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's just like not very dignified and like I feel no, like I, I mean I'd rather like literally like be like have like I would rather have like a homeless guy show me his dick like on the train every day than spend and like you know than have my parents be like so where who would you go out with you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I understand you know I guess like my parents are probably like a little bit like more hands-off about such things but you know sounds like it <laughs> But also, like, I, I never really, like, had, like, the opportunity to date in the town that I grew up in uh, since high school, so. Yeah? I mean, I would Did have... you have, like, a girlfriend in high school? I had a couple. I had a... I had one high school girlfriend. Well, one that was, like, long enough to count, and then one that, like, was, like, less than a month. Um, and then oh. I had, like, one, like, long-distance relationship, like, about, like, two hours drive away when I was in high school, I would like drive to see her like about like once or twice a month. Oh, that's nice. Good for you. Oh, thanks. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, that was like the longest, uh, relationships I've had in my entire life so far. So mm. like the only like lasting relationships I've had. So. Mm. I, um, I didn't have my first boyfriend or really, like lose my virginity until after college, like the summer after college. And it was a very choppy, bumpy experience. Um, Cause I think I'd like, I, you know, it was like the anorexia thing. And I think I had this like perfectionistic thing of like, well, I've suffered so much and it's going to be perfect. Like when it finally happens, it's going to be perfect. And then like, sure enough, I of course like fell like head over heels for like the most sort of like, you know, like the, quintessential like bad boy like I mean not really like quintessential but like somebody who was not go who was going to really uh frustrate my like desire to exercise control oh, and yeah. be very um yeah it was it was humiliation <laughs> humiliation is like another motif whatever it was it was fun it was like um I was in love like it was it was an amazing and, um, but that was, we broke up like five years ago. So it's been a long time since I felt that. Like, Wait, how long were you together? It was very off and on and choppy and rough, but I would say like the whole, like kind of like warp and woof of it was like two and a half ish years. Two and a half ish years. Yeah. I've never really uh, had a, like any kind of like romantic relationship that deep, like or at least like that long. Mm. That's something very foreign to me. But I'm excited for you because I think you're a very romantic man, and I think that you're gonna make some lady very oh, happy you. and have like a wonderful, amazing experience when it happens. Yeah. Just like the usual uh, pitfalls of being in your early 20s. I I just turned 24, so I can't even say that I'm mm. in my early 20s anymore. Like I'm kind of a uh, losing my uh you you're know, over my youthful luster um not that i'm mm. old like you know far from but like just uh you know the idea you know i i feel like i'm at the no i know it's I, like the prodigy fantasy of like like for me i always wanted to be like amanda Bynes, you know what i mean and just like have my own like nickelodeon kids yeah, tv yeah. show and be famous or who was the guy who wrote aragon do you know what i'm talking about or is that yeah like, yeah oh, that's, that was no i know that was like yeah, some like, like kid right like 
Yeah, he was like 16 and he wrote this like basically like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter fanfic. But I was like, God damn it, he's 16, man. And so I think we're all still playing that game a little bit. I, mean, like, I think how there's like gonna be when I'm like vanishingly little like juvenilia that's actually respected in literature. Uh, I think like mm. Arthur Rimbaud is like a notable exception. Um, maybe maybe Gerda. I'm not actually sure, but um, but like there's very few like writers that you just like see like oh their stuff when they were 17 is like really fire, you know, like. <laughs> Um, um it, where you know musicians it's different like uh you know i actually do kind of like feel like uh insecure in the face of like tyler the creator or young lean or um mm. uh yeah asap no. rocky like in those cases like you know like those are like the meme rappers that i grew up with and i still feel like they like their peak stuff like had like real artistic merit and it was like really transgressive use of the medium but like that uh you know they were like tyler the creator was like 19 when he like you know really started to hit his stride totally no it's like people people do that they live that it happens for them yeah um, I'm, I'm very impressed it, it, by uh there's this guy uh aiden um i don't remember his last name but he's uh he tweets under the name puppy toes and he seems to be like mm. very like uh, he just founded a, ma a literary magazine called Red Virgin uh, a few months ago with uh, someone else whose name escapes me. But like he seems, you know, he's like, I think like about to turn 21, like he's been around for a while. And like he just like has like uh, such a fully realized like sense of what he's like setting out to do at such a young age. And everyone's just like, oh, he's mm. such a baby. But like, you know, he, you wouldn't really know it. Like, it's just like this, like British guy with like, l like long, like shocking, like curly red hair who, uh, founded a literary magazine and is really into like Simone Vale and, um, like a continental philosophy. seems like he has like a very fully realized picture of like what he wants to do and like everything he creates is like very fully formed, but that's very rare. Hmm. No, I mean, I'm reading, you know, all these uh, biographies about, like, Lord Oxford, who was, you know, William Shakespeare, among other things, and it's staggering. And it's like, look, I think it's like there's something about you just have to, and maybe this is me putting stuff on, like, I think for me, it's like, there's like this, like, cope of like, oh, no, it's like, they're not really happy, like, you're going to make like much better art than they will. And then it's like, maybe not like maybe they're happy, thriving, like changing the world, making awesome art and like getting laid better off than you. And then like, you have to just accept that. You know what I mean? Like part of like not being like the prodigy hotshot, like child that like wowed everyone and blew them all away. is like, maybe it's like, maybe my maturity as an older person is just being like, yeah, I lost something. And like, it's okay to be, it's okay to be, sad or it's okay to have wasted time or to you know have suffered and and maybe there is no way to get that time back and maybe you'll never maybe it'll never you know and maybe that's okay too or just like living with it and then that's that is the fruit of like the wisdom of being this like burned out 29 and a half year old yeah i mean I, it's not a race like you can you know hit your stride whenever you want but yeah uh for sure. I think what I worry about way more at this point is just like family starting and like fertility like that, I think, has like just become a more pressing um, concern for me than uh, being because like you could be a famous artist when you're dead. You know what I mean? Like that's literally like into like an infinite 
time horizon. Whereas it's like, I probably have realistically like 10 years to like pop out the number of kids that I want, which is increasing. It it got the number increased. So it, it, it created a whole cascade of like, you know what I mean? Like things that needed to kind of happen. Yeah, I understand that sentiment, like not uh, firsthand, but like, you know, I've uh, seen it enough and I think it's very, a, a very wise like fear to have. I also like, um, I guess like the, I don't know, do you ever feel like, like the kind of like urgency of it is actually counterproductive in that it like forces you to commit more time to like bad prospects? Um, because you, because of the, you, you're talking about cost. romance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, the urgency of like, you know, having like a cl closing fertility window and like being like aware of that, like it, like it makes you like overvalue like the opportunity cost of uh, certain relationships and um, or I mean not. I feel like you're describing like being being a woman in general uh-huh you know yeah. what I mean like uh -huh. I feel like um, I think I know nothing about I don't know but... I mean <laughs> I mean I don't know I mean Emily Klondike you know I feel like there's <laughs> definitely uh, feminine I know my, my profile there. picture is literally a picture of an egg I was trying to tell you guys all along but <laughs> I think that's great um, I think it's to be in touch with whatever energy. I think I think it's cool. I I. Um...